Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 13 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this is our first of our two-part episodes on photography. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing 10 basic tips to improve your photography on the trail. In addition, we're also going to look at two gear reviews, the first being the Sony RX100 compact camera, and the second, the StickPick selfie adapter, which allows you to turn your hiking pole into a selfie stick. We hope you enjoy. In this first session of today's episode, we're going to be talking about photography and hiking, the basics. In episode 10 of the Australian Hiker podcast, we went through and discussed reasons why people hike. And one of those reasons for myself, as well as many others, is taking photographs. Now, for me, photography is one of those activities that that fills a number of functions. It allows me to remember what I've gone through and done. So if I've seen something particularly amazing or I want to show other people what I've been doing, uh, this allows me to go through and give people a visual of uh, what's actually been going on. It also allows me to, or it also forces me to go through and look at things that I may not necessarily go through and look at. Um, and I'll give you some examples as we go through on today's show. Now, what we're about to talk about may be for some real camera camera buffs, um, a, a bit of uh, heresy, um, but really what we're doing is trying to give some guidance to um, those out there who are just getting started, who you know are probably progressing from the happy snappers into um, some you know more considered more studied sort of photography but definitely not this is this is not about being a professional photographer and it's not about undermining the expertise that professional photographers or very experienced photographers have uh, and I must agree I mean I, I mean I don't consider myself a a spectacular photographer I get some very good shots um, and partly that's because I'm willing to to um, to do a number of things to make sure I do get what I want, uh, but it's it's the sort of thing that uh, I certainly don't don't claim to be a a professional photographer. This is this is for me just a um, the experience I found on the trail that's gone through and helped me to uh, to improve my photography. Okay, so the first tip is to go through and do your research. Every trip that you do is likely to have something special on it. So. As an example, in past trips, I know that I've, um, I've, I've got some good opportunities for some macro photographs, uh, taking photos of insects or flowers. Um, and if you go through and have a look on the printed article of this podcast, um, I've got some good examples of that on the, on the website. Uh, in that situation, I'm willing to carry my SLR and a macro lens, which weighs around about 1.4 kilos. Uh, but I'm certainly not going to go through and do that on a trip where all I can take photos of is mountains or broad landscapes. Uh, 
Um, so choosing the right equipment for the type of camera or type of uh, hiking you're going to be doing. And it may be that you just carry a general camera and it means you may actually miss out on some of the particular specialist type shots. The next tip is to go through and be awake at sunrise and sunset. Now, sunrises and sunsets are one of those sort of things that if you go onto the internet and type in sunrise or sunset photos, you will get literally millions of hits or millions of examples. Um, you can get some very amazing sort of photographs uh, by getting up in the morning before the sun's actually arisen uh, and taking photographs as the sun starts climbing over the horizon. The same can also be said for the sun setting. Um, and in a, lot, in a lot of cases, the sunset is often much quicker uh, and you, you have more, a much more limited time to be able to go through and take those photographs. Uh, but it really is worth, um, if not every day, um, at least on a lot of days, getting up and taking those early morning photos. So the next tip we have is shh. And by that we mean, you know, be aware of what's happening in the wilderness around you and um, approach it quietly. The, the point is that you don't want to frighten off the thing that you've, you know, spent several days um, hiking towards uh, just to have it be frightened away by the fact that you're speaking too loudly or you've made too much noise with your, with your shoes. Um, it, it, it's quite funny um, when Tim was doing the Mount Bimbury podcast we had a little bit of a chuckle because every time he got on air he started to sound a little bit like David Attenborough uh, he was lowering his voice and he was talking very deliberately um, and really it's kind of a natural thing to do in an environment that is so peaceful and so serene um, and if if you adopt that sort of approach I'm sure you're going to see a lot more than perhaps what you would normally see. Now, the next thing is to go through and look ahead and look back. If you think about when you drive a car, you're always advised to not just look at the car in front of you, but look at a number of cars in front of you to see what's going on, see what's coming up. The same can be said when you're hiking and when you're taking photographs. Sometimes you take your camera out, you take a photo of something, and then all of a sudden you walk down the trail 20 metres and there's thousands of what you've just been taking photo of, photos of and there are a lot better examples. Um, it may be that you see something like a particular flower and it's the only one you're going to see in the next 100 kilometres. So in that sort of situation, you may actually say, well, I really do need to take a photo of this, I'm not quite sure. The other thing is to actually turn around every so often. Um, not only is this good navigation practice, but it will often provide a different look at the path. Travelling in one direction, possibly into the sun, um, and then turning around and looking backwards will often mean the shots are very different. And it's not unusual to do this on many of my, my hikes where if I am walking into the sun, I take a photograph of the trail. It's actually quite bright. But if I turn around, I've got a bit more shade, I can get a bit more contrast as far as the, uh, the, the images are concerned. The next tip is to go off centre. And what we mean by that is uh, don't always have the subject of your um, photograph dead centre in uh, the, the view, the field of view. Um, have it to one side, um, you know, have it, towards the top, have it towards the bottom, whatever you think might 
um, look good um, just so that you're creating a little bit of interest and a little bit more um, I, I guess aesthetic about your your um, picture and in that way often that's where the great photos come from but also when you move to side to one side or you p- position um, your photo your image to one side you might actually see some other things that are also um, a good contrast to what you're taking a, a picture of in the first place okay be ready have your camera ready because sometimes you'll find that things come upon you without much notice now again i give you an example in my in the last bonus podcast i talked about my trip to mount bimbury and i was walking uh, up through an area I came around a bush and almost trod on a snake. Now, I got very close, probably within about half a metre. Thankfully, the snake had its head into a bush, obviously looking for some food, didn't see me. So I backed off, um, probably about 1.2 to 1.5 metres by this stage, got my camera out of my pocket and took photos. Uh, And I could do this because my camera, my compact camera, was sitting in my pocket. It was quite accessible. Now... If you've got an SLR or your camera is in your pack, if you've got to stop in that situation, take your pack off, open your pack, get your camera out. By this time, in my situation, the snake would have almost certainly have realized I was there, gotten up and shot off. So having something fairly accessible and easy to get to is uh, is certainly the way to go. Also look for the unexpected. Sometimes the best photos are the images you least expect. Now this is texture of tree bark, rocks, particular shadow patterns on the ground, uh, or the way that water moves can all create interest. So while often the big landscapes and the big spectacular mountain views can be quite spectacular, it's not unusual for the small, discrete not very common images to actually be be just as spectacular, but you've just got to know where to look. Um, I've often seen people say, oh, there's not much on this hike, and it's and that what they mean by that is there's not much big life. It tends to be something that they're looking at, or they're missing is, is there all the small stuff that's quite amazing. So the next thing to think about is carrying a tripod or at the very least, finding one. Often it's a little bit impractical, impractical to carry a tripod, but you know if you can, um, that's always um, a good idea, particularly um, when you need to use a slow exposure time on the camera um, and uh, you don't want your images to be blurry. Um, but if you don't have a tripod, just think about the setting, think about where you might be able to position the camera and you can improvise. You can use rocks, you can use logs, steps, um, if there are walls in place. Um, all of those things will help to keep your camera steady when you need it steady. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, one of the most popular types of photos that people tend to take is of the night sky. And because of the, the low light levels, if you try and handhold a camera in most cases, you're going to get blurry images or you're not going to get particularly spectacular images. So resting your camera either on a tripod or on a, a fixed solid surface um, often will give you better images. Um, but it's not, not going to be always the case. But certainly if you really want to be into that night sky sort of photos, then you are going to need a tripod at some point.
So the next item we want to talk about is taking your time. Um, we have a bit of a philosophy which is about editing is a last resort. Um, it's, it's a bit of a, a perfect world um, but that doesn't mean that we want our pictures to be absolutely perfect. Um, we might do some cropping um, at uh, certain points you know when we're um, reviewing the images but generally that's about all we do and we certainly don't do a lot of that. Um, so often we take lots of images, lots and lots, and here's, here's kind of one of the, the additional bits of guidance, which is if in doubt, just take more, and one of them is likely to be a winner. Um, so volume does matter. <laughs> so that's always a good thing to, to uh, think about. Um, but try not to do too many of major adjustments. Partly the reason is that, you know, when you're talking to people about your experience, you want it to jog some memories. If it's a perfect, pristine sort of, you know, uh, photography competition winning photo, that's that's fine. Um, however, what's really important for us and maybe for others is a really interesting story about why you couldn't get it quite right or why you had to take it from that particular angle um, and you know really life is about the stories uh, rather than the the uh, perfection uh, that you're able to achieve. And I suppose as, as an example of this when we're in Bhutan in 2012 uh, Jill and I had actually gone off uh, walking by herself while the rest of the group had gone off to do something else. And we came across a, a, a herd of the, the wild sheep, the blue sheep over there. Um, and the others actually hadn't seen these on, the, on this trip at all. So it was actually something we were looking forward to. But they were a bit skittish. Uh, and I found that as I sort of crept a bit closer, they'd move a bit further away, creep a bit closer, again, go further away. So I spent about half an hour progressively getting closer and closer. And just as I thought, yep, they're about to bolt, they're about to run, I virtually just went through and pressed the camera, held my finger down, uh, and let's let the camera run. Uh, in a matter of probably around about two or three minutes, I ended up taking uh, probably around about 100 photos. And as Jill said, took lots of photos, but I only, only probably kept about five. Um, and that's the advantage with digital cameras these days. The concept of taking a good shot to start with rather than editing is one that's, uh, for me, based in um, film, uh, where you know, if you only had a roll of 36 on your film and if you only had two or three rolls, that was it. So you had to be really careful and really conscious about choosing what you took a photo of because if you didn't get it right, you just wasted money and you wouldn't get the shot back again. Now, the last, uh, last thing for tips is be candid and not creepy. Now, what I mean by this is some of the best people images that I've taken, and I think a lot of other people have taken, are those when your subjects don't know that they're having their photo taken. As soon as you say to somebody, smile or pose in this particular way, they just look unnatural. Um, <laughs> well, Tim does anyway. <laughs> um, I, would, I wouldn't know because no one ever takes photos of me. <laughs> Um, so it's, um, you know, when you're getting people in a, in a, uh, a situation where they're being, being, doing something that they normally do without thinking about it and without posing, 
Uh, and kids are probably a really good example of this. Um, when you try and prop, uh, set up shots, uh, it sometimes sometimes you can be really lucky, but oftentimes those candid shots are often better. Now, I must say um, through here, you need to be very careful about doing this, particularly in some countries. Um, I went through India a few years ago uh, and I walked through a market. I actually had my uh, SLR camera with a wide angle lens and I had it around my neck. So I had it against my body looking like I was carrying it, but I was actually walking through the market with the camera button pressed down. So again, I took two or three or 400 shots in the space of sort of 15, 20 minutes uh, and I got some really good candid shots. Whereas had I have actually gone through and started to take photos of people, um, they may not have been too happy about it. They certainly would have looked different uh, and they would have looked very unnatural because they would have been very conscious of it. And in some cultures, taking photos of people without asking is considered very rude. Uh, and in some particularly religious countries, you can get yourself in, in, in trouble if you take photos of the wrong people at the wrong time. And just for a little bit of balance, um, that's the moment at which I walk away um, because it really disturbs me to have my photo taken when I'm not aware. Um, And it's not because I don't think it'll look very good. It's just that um, it is an invasion of personal privacy and uh, certainly, you know, I guess uh, being a woman, there's always a, a security aspect to that as well. In the second session of today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the Sony RX100 Mark I compact camera. As I mentioned in the introduction, SLR cameras for me are the way to go. Um, I can get much better shots, uh, the quality of the images tends to be much better, uh, but as far as is it a perfect camera? No, because the weight tends to be cumbersome and it does take up a lot of space. So I only tend to carry my SLR when I'm on shorter trips or I know that I'm willing to pay the weight penalty because of the the photos that I can expect. But on a two or three week long trip, it's not something I'll tend to do. The other thing as we've also mentioned as well is having an SLR in a pack means you've got to stop and take it out and you don't always have the benefit of taking that, that quick shot that may not present itself again. So... Around about 15 months ago, I decided that I was going to go through a comp- go through and buy a compact camera. Uh, and for me, I decided what a compact camera was, was something that fitted into the pocket on the hip belt of my pack or would physically fit into my pants pocket quite comfortably. Uh, and that was a physical size thing that actually determined what a compact camera was. There's compact SLRs as well as being all sorts of other types of smaller cameras, uh, but certainly the physical size of the camera was a big criteria for me. Now, when I went through and selected the camera, apart from the physical size, the other factors that I wanted to take into account was that I must be able to take good images that could be printed at an A4 or an A3 size. It needed to be weather resistant, could be used in either automatic or manual mode. Uh, It wasn't going to require me to get a second mortgage to... uh, uh, purchase, uh, and it felt good in my hands. I've got fairly large hands, and I didn't want to have something that was awkward and uh, and just too fiddly to use. So 
With the RX100, one of the things that, that really swayed me was this uh, is the image quality. Now, when you look at the physical size of the camera, there's a number of cameras that are very similar that you could say, well, this camera is much dearer. Why would I buy this as opposed to something else? Now, the advantage with the uh, RX100 is that it has a fairly large sensor. Um, so it can actually take um, images of 20.2 uh, megapixels. So it's going to give me a good quality size. And the sensor that actually is present in this camera um, is, um, is also a quite a large sort of size as well. Um, most cameras have a two-thirds of an inch size sensor. Uh, the uh, Sony actually has a, uh, a one-inch uh, one sensor, uh, and as a result, you end up with much better images. Um, and again, you can't really tell from looking at a camera the size of the sensor. Having said that, though, SLR cameras, one of the reasons you get the quality of the images is they've got quite large sensors in them. Uh, and as a result, physical size and also the weight that goes with them to support that. Uh, so the Sony has quite a good quality sensor and will take, take quite good quality images. Now, the images that appear on my on our website uh, are either taken with a Nikon SLR or they're taken with um, the Sony RX100. Uh, and again, there's some quite good images from both cameras. Water resistance was one of the things where the Sony lost out a bit. Um, I was actually looking at an Olympus camera at the time, uh, a Qi G4. Um, and in relation to waterproof, this thing is actually usable to 15 meters underwater. So you can actually put the whole camera underwater and take photos. It's not something I really wanted to do, but it meant that I could take it out in a rainstorm and not have to worry about it. The Sony, this is probably one of the weaknesses of the Sony camera. Um, you do need to be conscious of it as far as getting it wet. Uh, and I do mean wet and not just sort of damp. Um, and you do need to be careful about what sort of environment you take it out in. So it does limit uh, what I can do. And if it is raining, I just don't take photos. The camera can certainly be used in automatic or manual mode. And I must admit, even though I do with my SLR, my images are all taken in manual mode. I don't tend to use automatic. Certainly the, the Sony has the ability to do that. And again, it's something that I'm still learning to do and learning how to use. Price-wise, it's not a cheap camera. Um, you can get the RX100 generally on sale for around about $550, which is the best price I could find for it online in Australia at the time. You maybe have to pick it up cheaper overseas, uh, but I prefer to buy in-country where I can. It felt good in the hands. So again, even though I've got large hands, it, it's, a, it's a good quality feel. It's an aluminium body. The controls were easy to use. The camera also has a good number of automatic settings uh, that are intuitive and easy to use. So for the full write-up of this, if you'd like to go through onto our website, uh, and for the really full technical write-up, we've got a, a website uh, as part of that post that'll give you the, the really full-on details. But certainly as a camera, um, it's, it's quite a good quality camera. Um, there are now five versions of this camera out, and I must admit, I had the choice of buying all five cameras, or, or four of the cameras when they, I made my purchase. The fifth model wasn't quite out yet, 
but I ended up deciding to go for the base grade model because it suited what I, what I needed. I really didn't feel that the additional or the higher level models gave me any greater benefit from what I was after. The second gear review that I want to do um, is also a part of a piece of the camera equipment and really it's, uh, it's something that goes through with the Sony camera and for that matter any other camera and it's a the best way to describe it is a selfie adapter uh, and this is the stick pick selfie adapter uh, from a uh, from stick pick in the states it's a small um, screw and adapter that goes into uh, the uh, threaded tripod so tripod socket of most cameras um, and then can be put onto the end of your hiking pole uh, so that the hiking pole becomes a selfie stick. These little um, adapters are ordered from the States and ordered online from StickPick. Uh, and if you go onto our website and have a look at the StickPick review, I've got the, uh, the details of the website uh, available online. Um, there are a small little accessory that is plastic and metal. Um, and the two that I've got weigh about 12 grams. And I say that I've got two because I've run two different hiking poles at the moment. And for the sake of the freight, freight was no difference but getting one to two. So I ordered um, at $16.99 each US. Uh, I ordered two. Uh, and that way I'm covered whichever set of hiking poles that I'm going through and using. Um, I'll, with this company, when I ordered... Um, they actually impressed me quite a lot. I mean, this was a small accessory. It wasn't a particularly big sale. I ordered and paid for the two uh, little adapters. And I got an email about a day later saying, look, we're really sorry. We've overcharged you on the freight. And they actually did a refund back onto my credit card for the freight. Um, so, I mean, I think that's always a good good sign. Most companies wouldn't bother doing that. It wasn't a lot. It was only about 3 or $4.00. Uh, but I certainly appreciated it and appreciated the service we got from it as well. So again, we've gone through and done a written review of this little item on the, uh, the website. Uh, so you can see the pictures of it uh, and see how, uh, how I go through and use it and some examples of the photos that I've taken with it. Uh, and it will, uh, uh, it's something that's well worth doing now rather than buying a separate selfie stick uh, and um, you know, again, it's something even if you don't hike or if you have a set of hiking poles, you can actually take your hiking pole and this little, uh, little adapter um, and carry it with you um, without having to buy a separate selfie stick. So it's quite a good little, little item for that respect. Okay, that's all for today's episode. In our next show, we're actually going to be doing part two of photography and hiking. And specifically, we're going to be looking at pieces of camera equipment and camera care that, again, are going to help you improve your photography on the trail. Just a reminder that um, this, ep this episode, apart from being available to download from our website, is also available from iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have the time please go through and rate us on your preferred podcast download uh, and to help make us more easy to find. All right, that's it. Thanks very much. Bye for now. And bye from me.